0: whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly.
1: Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to today's We Hold These Truths Speak Out podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on the three-sided pyramid of war. We will be discussing a salient article that our founder, Chuck Carlson, wrote in 2001 called Sherry's War and comparing what he wrote 18 years ago to the events of today, There's no way of knowing, Chuck, that you know that our whole world would have been turned upside down just seven months later in September of 2001. Chuck, thanks for being with us. Why do you think now is the time to
2: refresh your story, Sherry's War? Well, these events, unrelated to our Christian views, do take cycles. We are now facing events in our country that are in some ways dissimilar in other ways are very similar to what was going on in 201. We have a threat of economic chaos in the country. And strangely enough, the actions of the uh, American church, which we've come to call the Christian Zionist church, have become much stronger and more powerful and more prevalent even than they were 20, 19 years ago. But now we did this series of stories called sherry's war a year before i was to visit palestine and the part of occupied palestine called gaza and uh subsequent to that we did our groundbreaking article, christian zionist the tragedy and the turning what we said in the tragedy and the turning was it can't get any worse than this And there is going to be a turning. And it's going to happen when a a large number of Christians recognize what's going on in the Middle East and what our own leaders are doing in the Middle East. And when they actually do step up and say enough is enough, we're not going to be a part of this anymore. You're not going to use our money. You're not going to use our weapons. You're not going to use any of this to destroy the people in the Middle East No matter what your motives are, no matter whether you're there to capture the oil of the Middle East, whether you're there because you want to destroy Islam and Muslim people, no matter what it is, Americans are eventually going to say, enough is enough, we're not going to tackle it. And of course, we did Sherry's war series in 201, thanks to Sherry, who we met, who was a very devout and articulate a member of an evangelical church, and, a, and in every respect, a dedicated pro-Israel Christian Zionist who could see absolutely nothing wrong with what was going on in the Middle East because it was led by Israel. So this is why we think it's so important to go back now and review what people were talking about then, what Christian church people were talking about then, Well, it's interesting, Chuck, as
1: you talk about the turning. The sad news is, looking at what's happened to the Christian Zionist movement since 2001, especially after the September 11 attacks, where there's been this vitriol coming towards Muslims in general, Christians United for Israel, who tends to be our nemesis, and we go to the the different churches that are being sponsored by KUFI a John Hagee presentation like A Night to Honor Israel or Why Israel or or some of those productions that Kufi does. But Kufi was actually incorporated by John Hagee in 2006. So that's kind of the, uh, you know, he says he went to uh, Israel in 1998 or something like that. He went as a tourist and came back as a hardcore Zionist. The movement kind of took off when he incorporated in 2006. And now Kufi is boasting over 7 million members. So I I think we can say in the last 18 years we've seen exponential growth in this heretical teaching of Christian Zionism promulgated by John Hagee and many others. Why do you think that's happened in light of the things that we've talked about?
2: Well, our political leaders in America have carried on a campaign against the Middle East, and their motives, some of them are just hatred, some of them are... At probably religion, but the dominant overwhelming motive of those who control our American politicians, uh, who bring about this virulent hatred of what's going on and uh, constant threats of war and more war. Uh, how many wars have we fought since, since we wrote hmm. this, these stories in 201? And the threat, even now today, is war against Iran today the president made a very open threat of war against iran and uh, we're going to pay them back for what they s- supposedly have done to, to saudi arabia so at the root of this of course is the state of israel which of course pretends to be the good guys in the middle east to answer your question in the word what it is is we have a faction in america that's economically demanding war in the Middle East. And they're using Christians to bring about those wars. Because, as we pointed out in our three sided triangle, one side of this triangle is the Christian Zionist right, who constantly says anything we do that benefits the state of Israel is okay. Mm-hmm. And that means war against anybody in the Middle East who has oil or who in any way is thought of as a threat to the state of Israel. This is exactly what's going on now as we face the possibility of our leaders instigating a war against somebody who has no real ability to fight back against us, Iran. Exactly. And I'd like to just quote from uh,
1: two paragraphs from Sherry's war. And again, I love the fact that you're bringing this back up to the fore. Because, Chuck, this six, seven-part article is fantastic. It was written well, and it encapsulates so many of the issues that we're dealing with today. Two paragraphs I'd like to read. It goes like this. On January 19th, and this would have been January 19th of 2001, Reverend Jerry Falwell was in Israel making a speech promoting Ariel Sharon for prime minister. Now, we're talking about Sherry and her husband is Lanny. Sherry and Lanny were preparing for a Christ-centered weekend, and in a place called Gaza, about 25 families huddled in the rain, watching helplessly as their homes and possessions were being destroyed by the Israeli Defense Forces. How are these three incidents related? What do Jerry Falwell and a sincere Christian woman named Sherry have in common? And how are they part of the root cause of the human tragedy that continues to unfold in Palestine? In this series on Sherry's War, we are examining some of the strange beliefs that are held and acted upon by an increasingly dominant subset of Christianity and how those beliefs fuel the endless wars in the Middle East and elsewhere. That says it so well, Chuck. And then you go on to examining Sherry's philosophy, her ardent support for Israel, the scriptures that she used. And like you said, she's she's very articulate. And hopefully as we go through, maybe not tonight, but down the road, we can really examine some of those scriptures that are, it's just kind of the cut and paste scripture of the Christian Zionist that you know always starts out with Genesis 12, 1 and 3, I will bless those who curse thee and curse those who bless thee, whatever. That whole passage justifying unadulterated support for Israel. No matter what they do, we have to support them. Because, by golly, we want God to bless us. And since Israel's is the apple of God's eye, we've got to do that. So I think it's so important that we expose this again and realize that this hasn't changed. And what I've seen with my experience with Christian Zionists, it seems like their heels are dug in even harder. So, like, don't confuse me with the facts my
2: mind's made up. Craig, yes, and I want to follow up on that by saying As I look back on this uh, series, we did six parts, some of them quite lengthy. What made this really work, and I think become something that a a true disclosure, exposure of what Christian Zionism is, is that Sherry was an extraordinary person in that she stuck with us through the whole six series. We wrote about her. She answered us. We wrote about her again. She answered us over and over again, and in the very end, in part six, we have, again, her answer to other people who have answered us. And in the course of this, Sherry really did expose, really, what Christian Zionists believe. More important than what we disclosed about her, she showed a complete unwillingness to bend in any way, to give at all in some of the ideas that she put forward ideas of scripture that were deeply distorted that she had learned as she went along and that she spouted back to us over and over again ideas about facts that go on in the middle east like the one you've talked about the palestinians huddling in the rain watching their homes to be destroyed this has not taken place with one home or 50 homes this has taken place with a whole society. And this series that we did, I don't think I would have been able to hold my temper and, and stay calm dealing with Sherry if I had ever been to Gaza and seen what really mm, goes on there. Right. A year later, I went to Gaza and saw what actually happened there firsthand. And we did a program after that called The Tragedy and the Turning. Uh, The tragedy is Christian Zionism. The turning is our hope that things had become so bad that we would be able to cause an actual turning away from Christian Zionism. So Sherry, right to the very end, continued to argue with us, and she continued to answer us. And when you read this series, we basically put forth Sherry's views. We actually aired her views, and she agreed with us and uh, she uh, commented herself and of course when she thought we were being unfair she said so but in that respect i think quite unusual i don't know if i could do it again today
1: exactly it'd be really curious chuck to see where she is 18 years later to see if there has has been any softening or if truly you know she is more reticent to change than she was back then I was trying to find an accurate measurement of how much land the Palestinians have lost to the Zionist state of Israel in that last 18 years. I couldn't find it. It it must be available someplace, but I I couldn't find it today as I I was doing searching. But what I did find is that there are now 163 Jewish-only settlements and 98 outposts on the confiscated Palestinian land. And I'm, I'm sure those didn't exist at least in that amount, when you penned your story in 2001. And you talk about home uh, demolitions. I mean, those are still going on. was it just last month, 200 homes were smashed down because of security issues for the state of Israel. There's just no regard, they say security, and that's their carte blanche, to go in and to de- destroy homes. So there's so much that has really ramped up in the last 19 years. It's hard for me to see a glimmer of hope when I read that Sherry's War Look at the news and see what's going on, especially with the United States taking a totally biased approach into any peace negotiations. Trump saying that the Golan Heights, okay for Israel to steal those, and that is going to be a part of Israel. I was surprised when Netanyahu said that he was going to annex the West Bank that he didn't get a big hurrah from Trump. But Trump has been silent on that one, I, I at least to this point. So we'll see where that goes. But how else have you seen the changes in the last uh, 18 years that you'd like to discuss?
2: Well, the the changes that I've seen, of course, when we started We Hold These Truths, we realized the fallacy and the error of the evangelical Christian church uh, known as the dispensational churches. Uh, We'd read, we'd studied, we'd learned ourselves and quite a few of us had actually come out of such churches. I was one of them. I had at one time been a deacon in the most powerful evangelical church in the country, the Baptist Church. And I changed. I saw the air of our statements, our studies, and our beliefs, and others convinced me. So I knew somebody could change. And I know many of our friends and We Hold These Truths, had come out of backgrounds where they had been deeply influenced by this very movement that we're talking about. And that's, of course, why we're capable of understanding it so well, is that we've been there. The real change that I see taking place is starting to happen in the mainline churches, the sleepy old churches that we used to criticize, the mainline being the Lutherans and the Methodists and the Presbyterians, and the others that are uh, traditional old-line churches, even the Roman Catholic Church, is beginning to sense and see the brutality of what's been done to the people in the Middle East. And uh, they're beginning to see the air of war. So we're starting to see movements within these churches that are taking place. And Karis Palestine is one of those. It's the United Methodist movement. It's basically a movement of Christians who live in Israel and Palestine, but it's sponsored uh, pretty much by the Methodist United Methodist uh, Church. So we're actually seeing some changes taking place beneath the surface of the mainline churches, and that's an encouragement. There are, of course, people that do step over the line, as we've done, and leave the dispensational churches, but essentially— Seeing the air of dispensational teachings. And of course, dispensational teachings teach that the present day state of Israel is exactly the same as the Israel of the Old Testament three, four, or five thousand years ago. This, of course, is the teaching of the dispensational movement of which Herod was such a devoted part. Sherry believed that the state of Israel today, the political state run by Benjamin Netanyahu, was the same as the one of David and uh, the other patriarchs of the ancient Israelite movement. So the Old Testament idea was basically carried forward, and Sherry simply adopted that, and she went back and adopted everything that had been said about Abraham and David and Isaac Mm -hmm. and She simply applied that to the leaders of the present-day state of Israel so that Benjamin Netanyahu, in her mind, had the same integrity, honor, and nearness to God that Abraham had, that David had, that Isaac had, and so on, uh, going back into the Old Testament. This, of course, is nonsense. Uh, We know that the people who live in Israel today have no connection, ethnically or genetically, with the ancient Israelites, and yet the entire movement, dispensational movement, is wrapped around the idea that the present day Israelis are the same. Is this not the essence of Christian Zionism, Craig? Exactly, and they
1: totally disregard any of the atrocities. All the atrocities that Israel does. It gets whitewashed, swept under the carpet, and go, yeah, well, they're going to have to answer to God that someday. But it's it's not going to be on us because we as the church, we're going to get raptured out at uh, the—and God's going to take us out. And then basically all hell breaks loose, but we won't have to deal with it. You know, I found it really interesting that a paragraph I read, uh, you talked about Jerry Falwell making a speech promoting Ariel Sharon. And if you just do a quick search on Ariel Sharon as a war criminal, you'll find more information than you ever possibly want to digest about the atrocities that he is responsible for. And then yet we, you know, we think of Donald Trump supporting Netanyahu in the first round. He was a little quieter on this last election that just occurred. But on the first election, he was definitely touting my good friend, Benjamin, or Bibi. He always says, you know, Bibi Netanyahu. You see the same thing where here our president is touting his good friend Netanyahu and Falwell supporting Ereder Sharon, this, this war criminal. And it's like, what in the world does the church have? Supporting any kind of atrocities like this and saying this is God's will, it just absolutely blows my mind. And when I think about deception, the whole thing with deception is that you don't know that you're deceived. That's what the whole definition is. So you have to have an external source that comes outside of yourself and points in and says, No, Craig, Chuck, Tom, this is not right. Look at this. Step back and get another look at this. And that's why I'm curious to see if uh, Sherry has had any awakening at all, because for all of us here, we hold these truths. There's been some kind of epiphany where we've kind of enforced in our face, you going to Gaza and it's, it's maybe others seeing something on the news or for me moving into a neighborhood of Palestinian Christians. It's like all of a sudden let's go, oh, this doesn't fit my paradigm. This doesn't fit my worldview. What am I going to do? Am I going to reject the facts or am I going to change my worldview? And for me, I had to change my worldview, go back and look at the scripture and realize that I had been deceived by so many teachers that were deceived by their teachers who were deceived by their teachers. Clear back to the Schofield Reference Bible and the whole Christian Zionist movement, which actually predates the Jewish Zionist movement. So we at We Hold These Truths are trying to get the word out and just shake up people's paradigm and say, look at this, get the facts and look at this and make up your own mind. What looks like Jesus? What doesn't look like Jesus? And where should we throw our support?
2: Yes, and Greg, I think that in this uh, series, this six-part series, we did a good job somehow of giving Sherry a chance to hang herself with her own rope. Uh, we let Sherry talk about exactly what she believed. We let her tell us, and uh, we answered, and, and then she answered us, and, and she was an ideal subject for a study. And uh, we put it out in front of everyone to see and so that they can make up their own minds. And that's one of the things that becomes harder and harder for you and me to do every year because uh, now I've seen the Palestinians... Being bombed with my own eyes, uh, mm-hmm. I've seen them being killed right in front of me. I've seen them being starved. At the time I was in Palestine in 2002, one year after we did this series with Sherry, the Palestinians that I saw didn't look hungry. They looked like they were getting by okay. They didn't have any money. Uh, mm-hmm. They had little in the way of a future, but they somehow had some o- enough optimism to keep going. And uh, they were truly prisoners in a jail where they could be killed or bombed at any time. But there still was a society going there. I don't know what we would see if we went back there today. But among the, uh, I've seen, for instance, that the same powers went after the people of Sudan at the same time we were in Gaza. And uh, now you have massive starvation of the people of Sudan. We don't even hear the name Sudan being quoted uh, daily. Right. And when we wrote about this 18 or 20 years ago, we said it was all about oil. There had been a big discovery of oil in a place called South Sudan. And there was then actually a U.S. military action against the so-called government of Sudan that hardly even suggested. It was all about capturing oil. And subsequently, it's become a big oil pumping area that we never even hear about. But the people of Sudan, a recent story about it just a couple of days ago, and they showed pictures of a bunch of Sudanese mothers and children, and everybody was starving. You could see the oversized skulls and the skinny bodies mm. of the little children. The same oh, with dear. the women, legs that had hardly any meat on them. and This is going on, and it's been a part of the things that have been carried out. And the state of Israel has been used over and over again to carry out bombing raids, to carry out propaganda raids, and to carry out this agenda in the Middle East. Why is it that the issue is in Israel, Palestine, Gaza, Sudan, Iran, and Iraq? Uh, It's because this is the biggest oil-producing area and the biggest oil surplus area in the world without any question or doubt. It's absolutely mm-hmm. huge. It's a tremendously important economic piece of real estate, and yet it, there are no major countries there to defend it. It's defended by, by countries that have no ability to defend themselves, like Iraq and Iran and Syria and Sudan and Libya. Right. I think, Chuck, it goes much
1: beyond the oil issue. It's definitely a power issue. And I think as we see Israel, uh, even like Netanyahu talking about uh, annexing the West Bank and just taking more and more and more, uh, the whole idea of Israel, greater Israel, world domination, and oil is definitely a part of that. But I think the bigger part of the puzzle is just control, control of humanity and if when you realize and figure out that you're the chosen people, and then you can look on the Goy as something less than what you are, you're justified in doing what you're doing. And so I think with the big thing that we're looking at is the Talmudic thought. We've mentioned it. I think it was last week. We talked about from the Talmud, if you see your enemy, then rise and kill him first. It's this idea of a preemptive destruction for your own benefit. And that's what I think the big picture is. And hopefully, we can get more information out. And I think the big difference between what you saw in 2001 and what we can see today is perhaps in a great measure due to the electronic media and the fact that you can see children starving in Sudan right now without without going there, you can see what's going on in Gaza. So the internet has opened up and made the world a whole lot smaller. And it seems like the Israelis have doubled down on that effort. That's why they're they're uh, working on the hate speech laws. Anything you say against Israel, they're trying to take away our freedom of expression and freedom of speech. Because in the war of pictures, they lose. They lose because people look at that and you go, oh, that's not right. That's not me. That's not what I would represent. And they begin to see that maybe their ideas about Israel aren't as good and aren't as biblical as they thought they were. So, again, Chuck, thank you so much for this article. I think it's well past the time to pull this thing out and have everyone take a look at it again. And I think in in future episodes of We Hold These Truths, Speaks Out, we'll delve more into some of Sherry's comments, her scripture basis, and the other things.
3: Thank you so much, Chuck. I think it's really a groundbreaking story about Sherry's war. And part of Sherry's problem, I guess, is problem that we as Americans face is the conditioning. And I'd like to point out, actually, in 1990, I was living in Denver, Colorado, where you were living, and I I knew you. And you, as a deacon at the Southern Baptist Church there in Denver, wrote a letter to your fellow deacons and leaders of the church urging them not to go to war against Iraq. And of course, that fell on deaf ears among fellow believers. And as we all know, we went in 1991, the first Gulf War against Iraq. And as a result of the embargoes during the 90s, about 500,000 children died because of these embargoes. And so the havoc that we wreaked there in the 90s and then continued on with our second war in 2003 But I think one of the key things in this conditioning is the war against Islam. And you correctly pointed out, Chuck, in an article written in 1994 for a national magazine, it was entitled Attacking Islam, that Islam had become the new enemy de jure, if you will, with the fall of communism in the early 90s. And so we have been conditioned to fear Islam. And of course, after Sherry's war, we mentioned, of course, the 911 attack. And of course, this reinforced the notion that we can't trust Muslims. And so Sherry is justified in her beliefs because of all this conditioning. We mentioned Jerry Falwell, he started the Moral Majority in the late seventies and that was a, a, a pretty big political force in the eighties and he was the recipient of a learjet from Israel because he was such a ardent admirer of Israel and a really a spokesman for Israel. So thank you, Chuck, for your groundbreaking work in this series. And I think people should look at the series again and reflect about it. Tom
1: as you you mentioned those things, I was reminded in my Bible reading this morning, it says you sow the wind and reap the whirlwind out of Hosea. I think at at this point the United States has yet to reap the whirlwind of our meddling in affairs around the world. And that's my concern as as a Christian nation which we are not anymore. Our our morals have been taken down into the gutter the rise of homosexuality and same-sex marriage and pornography and you name it the list goes on what's happened to our, our country and how we've sowed that all over the world in in the name of democracy we're definitely sowing the wind and we have yet to reap the whirlwind and so my prayer is that there will be a revival across this land and people christians especially will wake up and realize what have we been doing and it's uh, uh, Second Chronicles what, 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And our land definitely needs to be healed. Thanks for being with us tonight and hope you've enjoyed this episode of We Hold These Truths Speaks Out.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1.